MJ to marry me. A man has to put his wife before himself. Can you do that, Peter? Yeah. I think I can. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University. I'm your professor, Mario Rivera, and joining me is the marvelous doctoral student, Slankhone MC, who has a bachelor's in the MCU, a master's in the multiverse, and is going for their dissertation in Marvel Studies. Sly, how are you doing today? I am doing uh, so very well. I'm don't I I can't say I'm excited to be here oh, no. to talk about this movie. Oh no! But I'm here to talk about the one and only Spider-Man Three. That's right. That's right. We're here gathered to finally talk about Spider-Man Three. We're closing yet another uh, book uh, in our uh, in our wonderful story, of course. Uh, Spider-Man 3 starring, uh, oh, hold on, let me go through the whole thing. I'm sorry, I'm out of it. We've watched, you've, of course, if you've been watching and following the show, we've done a couple extra credits. We haven't done a main show, so just hear me out, all right? I, I don't know why. I'm just going to keep doing. I'm just going to keep it's talking. It's been a minute. We're a little rusty. A little we're bit of rusty. But of course, yes, we're of course talking about Spider-Man 3, which came out in 2007, and we're going to go ahead and jump into our first major class, history class. It was, of course, directed by Sam Raimi, written by Sam Raimi, Ivan Raimi, and Alvin Sargent, who also wrote uh, Spider-Man 2. The studio, of course, is still Sony Pictures, and it stars Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Topher Grace joining the cast, Thomas Hayden Church, and of course, the return of James Franco, which, yes... We're very excited to talk about James Franco yeah, in this movie specifically. Um, and of course, has some other characters like J.K. Simmons is also in here. Ted Raimi, uh, Rosemary Harris, of course, coming back as May Parker. Bryce Dallas Howard also joins the cast very briefly as Gwen Stacy and a few others that are in this as well. And uh, yeah, here we go. We're here to talk about Spider-Man 3, um, known to be supposedly the weakest entry in the t uh, sort of Sam Raimi verse of Spider-Man. So We'll definitely talk about that once we get to our discussion. But before we can do that, where can you stream this? Uh, you said you saw it on TBS, right? I think so. so it was one of those TV channel add-ons. Yeah. One of them. I think I, I think I watched it when it was on Peacock. So I ended up watching this movie back in my rewatch leading up to the last Spider-Man movie. So I, it's still relevant in my mind where I, I, I thought about the movie in the same way that I'm thinking about all these movies where I'm trying to keep a sort of like, what does Mario feel in 2022 you know, just to keep that current mindset? And you know, I'm going to judge it by that. So if you can find it, it's most likely going to be on TBS, which is one of those streaming things you can add to Hulu or uh, I think you said you watched on uh, YouTube TV. So, Or if you have cable, if you're still doing that, some people are. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, where would we be if without uh, you reading, of course, the plot to this movie? This is a chunky plot. It I'll is. just I'll say that up front. So, Peter Parker has finally managed to piece together the once broken parts of his life, maintaining a balance between his relationship with Mary Jane and his responsibility as Spider-Man. But more challenges arise for our young hero. Peter's old friend, Harry Osborne, has set out for revenge against Peter, taking up the mantle of his late father's persona as the new goblin. And Peter must also capture Uncle Ben's real killer, Flint Marco, who has been transformed into his toughest foe yet, Sandman. 
All hope seems lost when suddenly Peter's suit turns jet black and greatly amplifies his powers. But it also begins to greatly amplify the much darker qualities of Peter's personality that he begins to lose himself to. Peter has to reach deep inside himself to free the compassionate hero that he used to be if he is ever to conquer the darkness within and face not only his greatest enemies, but also himself. Thank you, Dark Spidey on IMDb for that very dramatic plot. And I gotta say, this is a uh, a thick movie, so, you know... That, that plot is not all encompassing <laughs> and you think that's a lot to shove in one movie yeah it is there's also so much more yes yes uh yeah shout out to dark spidey shout out to you for reading that and of course playing the extra extra <laughs> layer of darkness that apparently is within this movie <laughs> um but yeah of course the movie has comic book characters of course spider-man is still in this but it's now encompassing venom and sandman as well as new goblin is the best way i'll describe him um green goblin has sort of and been a moniker passed around a few times love of my life gwen stacy gwen stacy yes which very briefly <laughs> man she deserves better <laughs> thank god we'll get a series she deserves so much better <laughs> thank god we have a series coming up where that character is a uh, at least a functioning character um but now now that we've gone and gone through all the history of the setting up this movie let's go ahead and start talking about it in our stanley seminar where we're gonna go ahead i'm gonna have sly first tell me what you think of spider-man 3 okay so I was sitting here watching this movie, right? And I was like, I was in it. I was pretty solidly following along, right? I was like, I, I don't get why people are constantly shitting on this movie, right? And I was like, hmm, I've been watching this movie for an hour and nothing's happened. And I still have an hour and a half left. Huh. And then it just kept going and going and going. This movie is so long. It feels long, right? Like, if you're, like, two hours, 20 minutes, you can have a movie that that time goes by in a blink of an eye. But this movie is not that. <laughs> it, it drags. Yeah. And the just the pacing is so off. And it just, like, I feel like there was so much that needed to be trimmed. And if you cut this movie down to the key points... I think it could be really great. I think there's a lot of really awesome things here, and I see what they're going for. They just needed a couple more passes through on that script. It was just too much. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies where it just has so much that it's juggling that it's trying to accomplish. But overall, because it's overburdened by all these themes and things that are going on, it just doesn't have a focus point for long periods of stretches of time. And so, therefore, you're just waiting for things to sort of happen, right? Like, uh, and then they sideline stories in the beginning for no reason. Like, we think that coming off of, say, Spider-Man th uh, 2, for instance, where it was setting up the fact that uh, James Franco now learns that his father was the goblin we assume that's setting up some sort of conflict with peter or something going on with that and this immediately a goes right into it he's immediately injecting himself with some sort of chemical which we assume is the, the stuff that made his father crazy and then he goes on a warpath for 10 minutes of the movie and then he's sidelined 
for a huge chunk of it. So that way we can get um, mm-hmm. sort of the setup for, I believe, uh, the Flint Marco character. And then all of a sudden, oh, mm-hmm. it's back. <laughs> now, now, now that's a big threat. And uh, then then uh, then we get the dark Spider-Man stuff. And then we do this. And now we got Venom. Like, it, there's just so many different parts. It felt like a miniseries in a weird way. Like, But it's compacted mm-hmm. in these three episodes where, like, if you gave time to each of these things and actually had them, like, have actual logical conclusions that I felt like this would have been Marco Cosi's. I will this say could have been three movies. It absolutely could have been three <laughs> movies, which is pretty, pretty great. And hey, you know, this movie there's a very popular series in the time, you know, they could have easily done it, but yeah, they decided that no, we're gonna go ahead and rush through the thing that we've been setting up the entire time, which was uh the relationship between James Franco and, and Toby getting to this point, but then filling in with even more shit that felt unnecessary, like the finding the real killer of Ben Parker. So yeah, I just think that this movie is just overstuffed. Do I think is as bad as I did when I first saw it? I remember my friend, I have another friend named Mario. He, the first thing before this movie came out, he says like, oh, it's terrible. And he was a huge Spider-Man fan. And I think that's permeated my thinking of it ever since. And I, I know I didn't, I didn't like it still. And when I think of Spider-Man, these series of the movies, I always think of two as, as the first one, as you know, the greatest one. The great thing about this show, though, is allowing me to revisit it at a different age and care less about some of the things that go on and like the expectations of like, oh, I'm going to go see Venom and I'm going to see this and that. I've now seen Venom tw- <laughs> three times and I don't care anymore, <laughs> you know, like uh, so I get to at least watch like, OK, what were they trying to accomplish in this? And while I do think that, like I said, it's overwrought and over and too much, I don't think it's as terrible as everyone makes it out to be. I do think it is a watchable movie. I do think it, it is even an interesting closure of three movies. But at the same time, I still don't think it's the best of of the series by far. Um, I think we already said that. I think number one is still my favorite. Um, overall, I just think it's just a better film. For sure. Yeah. And like, like I don't, I don't hate this movie, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so much potential there. It just wasn't an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because the whole time watching this, I was like, ooh, I wish they did this better, or I wish I did this better. And, like, so I feel like I have love for this movie. It's just not a solid piece. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's that's just where I'm at right now. No, for sure. And I, I actually do want to break down a few things and ask you about them specifically. Like, Throughout the series, we've had, to me, the main three. The main three have always been uh, Peter Parker, Mary Jane Watson, and, of course, uh, Harry Osborn. With this mm-hmm. version of this 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 next chapter in the story, where do you think that the characters are um, in terms of their relationship? Well, like, How did you feel that they were, uh, A, either continuing and slash resolved um, in a lot of ways? I was really worried that this movie was going to make me not like Harry. Like, I thought this movie was going to ruin Harry for me. Sure. And I was really scared about that. Like, after the first, you know, uh, the first chunk of this movie's story, I was like, oh, no. I really hope they don't ruin Harry for me. Because I love Harry Osborn. Like, mm-hmm. And, yes, that is heavily influenced by his story line in the spider-man ps4 sure, game, right sure. like that heavily <laughs> is my love for this character yes. but i was so worried about that 
and then you know they do the amnesia thing yeah and i'm like okay we're cool you're not gonna like ruin my feelings about this character and then it just like it felt like he was the middle trunk he was just there to destroy you know peter and andrew's relationship which they do on their own like we've already seen them yeah they're always kind of tumultuous right we didn't need harry to be involved in that um so that i wasn't a huge fan of that but i did love the like coming back moment where they teamed up they resolved their whatever um so i really liked his arc minus that weird MJ moment, right? Sure. Oh yeah, I know For you're talking about. For MJ, <laughs> I just <laughs> want them to let her be a well-developed character that has a personality outside of being in a relationship. Yeah. And like, I think they did like a really interesting thing with like her getting a show and then, you know, getting cut and having this conflict. And that could have been really interesting. But the only reason they told that story was to tell the audience that Peter's not paying enough attention to her. Yeah. And so that really cheapened that entire, you know, story for her. And I get that this is just, you know, a long-standing history of people not knowing how to write decent female characters, mm-hmm. but I, I think she definitely suffers because of that. For sure. As for Peter, Peter, <laughs> it, like everybody calls this Evo Peter, which is so valid. Because don't get me started yeah, on the hair. I don't have the hair, hair is right absolutely now, but yeah. ridiculous. Um. But, you know, that could be a really interesting... The story they tried to tell is really interesting. Where you have this, like, pure of heart hero who had this, you know, lapse in judgment, gets influenced by this outside force, and has to overcome that, right? Uh, But instead, we get the weird strutting down the street montage, which... I have a funny story about this scene. Yes. I was watching the scene. He's doing the strut. He goes into the store. He comes out with the suit. I was, you know, kind of checking out a little bit. I opened <laughs> TikTok and my good friend Bunky posted a TikTok that I opened. Like, it was the first thing I saw when I opened. And it was that exact scene, him walking out of the store in the suit to uh, the new Harry Styles song, Jesus. Cinema. <laughs> and I was like, I am literally like, I'm watching this scene right now. I opened TikTok and this video is the first thing I see. I That's lost funny. it. That was just hilarious. But I I just, there was too much there in, in Peter's story to make it a, a good, you know, character arc. Yes. Um, and I, it just, if they trimmed it down... I could see what they were trying to go for, but it did not hit for me. No, for sure. Um, there are definitely some things that I enjoy in terms of the three arc of like their story carrying over. They've always had this sort of like Jacob Edward 
Bella thing going on <laughs> before they were that was ever a thing. Um, and I like that this played with that still with the relationship between because I mean, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Jane aside, I mean, we all know the issues there. I'm not going to focus too heavy on it other than she's again the plot at the end of the movie and for them to come together. That is what it is. Um, but, um, the fact that she's always had a relationship with somebody, if it was Flash Thompson, uh, Harry Osborne, Peter Parker, and then there's this fun thing of, you know, well, not, I don't think it's fun. It's really fucked up. But them, where Harry Osborne trying to break them up in a weird way, and like saying, like, he got her girl. It's so stupid and juvenile. But for some reason, I enjoy the stupid movie only because I know of the previous history yeah. of the two movies. I think that's the only reason why I find funny quality or enjoyable qualities of it. But yeah, it is it is dumb, and I can't believe that that's in that superhero movie. I stand by my stance that uh, love triangles are much better when they're real love triangles, and everybody's by. So it could go and fair any other way and i think harry trying to break up peter by trying to get with peter would have been so much more interesting <laughs> than him trying to get with mj uh in a lot of ways it's like he just wants peter to himself uh if you think of it that way I guess. exactly yeah so for sure i totally could see that <laughs> um but yeah definitely 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 i love I, man, james franco let me talk about james franco for a second whatever human being person doesn't i don't care i love this harry osborne because of how cheesy and weird he gets and him just like eating that pie just straight devouring it it's good good pie oh love it good for him (laughs) (laughs) i will say though uh that first uh see the first fight with uh, harry and peter i did have to take a dramamine for yeah which led into the Sandman origin story moment, which had a bunch of flashing lights, which I also couldn't watch. So the first chunk of this movie just was not visually accessible at all. <laughs> uh, definitely. I, I, it is also like the most interesting uh, looking one only because it's weird. I just don't, it visually doesn't feel like a Spider-Man movie for some reason, mostly because Spider-Man's not in costume. Uh, he's, he's just in a suit mm-hmm. and it's just bizarre and weird. Um, yeah, no, it, it just, it, it felt like more of like a Batman movie than it did uh, Spider-Man for some reason, um, which to me didn't fit, but moving on from the main three characters, I did want to bring up now our new villains. Of course, we have two for Grace and uh, Flint Marco, played by Thomas Hayden Church. Um, let me start with Hayden Church first, because I want to. Tover Grace is, to me is like a whole separate argument. Um, in terms of his involvement of the story, which he is supposedly the actual killer of Ben Parker, what do you think of that inclusion of that part of the story added to what we already know? Like, it was interesting. I, you know, I think it was there to set up. The whole Peter struggling with that part of his history, like him taking a life and being responsible for that and it not being who he thought it was. I thought that was really compelling idea for and to have such a sympathetic villain, right? He's doing everything he can to save his daughter. The motivations I understood, I just he he fell to the sidelines so much he did right yeah and well, he I should have been the focus really, 
Yeah, I think you could have had either Sandman or Venom and cut down this movie significantly and made it a lot stronger. But because we had such a split focus here, and Venom's obviously the more compelling story here with the interaction of you know the symbiote suit and eddie brock and all of those dynamics that's going to be where your your story is drawn to and so sandman really fell to the wayside i think he's interesting i think he's compelling uh we can talk about him coming back if we want to um Mm -hmm. but Overall, I I really enjoyed him. I do have in my notes though, uh, in the in the like train tunnel sewer thing, yes, where he turned to mud. I was like, sad man, more like mud man, <laughs> dork. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me happy, so I had to share that with you. No, that's uh, good. but yeah, I like him. I just felt like he was overshadowed by Venom the whole time. Yeah, I think having them, again, uh, following at least following through the story with Harry Osborn, which I think is something that they could have told by the end of this movie. Uh, them overstuffing it with either yet another sympathetic villain that is misunderstood and, and sort of like going through the motions, which, you know, it completes the themes of the last two movies. So I definitely do think that's the way that they probably should have gone. I do find it fascinating with the Eddie Brock version because once we get to the end of like the when he becomes full Venom at one point, he's like pure evil, uh, and we don't ha- we didn't, haven't seen that really um, in this series so far. Everyone's sort of been a, a victim of their circumstance or in terms of like being led to a downfall. This was like no, I like doing this. This is bad and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is also another interesting route they could have gone to. But uh, at the same time, when you combine it all together, it just makes sort of a mess. And it's just I think for overall experience, by the way, my cat is climbing all over the place. And probably knock something off. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the microphone picked that up. But, um, but yeah, in terms of just having them be the additional antagonist to the story just felt just, it just, again, just overstuffs the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I yeah. will say I love a church scene. I yes. love that Venom gave us a church scene. That was, you know, so fun and interesting and different. Like you said, we've seen the same type of villain yes. in every movie after this. And to have somebody so out there, just, you know, it really puts a fresh take on this movie. Mm-hmm. If he, like... I think if you cut it down, you could do New Goblin and one of the other two. But having three antagonists, three major antagonists yes. in one movie is just too many. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not handling it in a, in a smart way, I think it can actually overload a movie. And, you know, one day we will probably see this again. Well, you know, if you see uh, No Way Home, there's stuff there. But in terms of, like, having multiple... Mm-hmm antagonist because the huge thing with spider-man has always been like a sinister six this is like the closest they got to at this point which was three and we've already like oh god i can't i don't want i don't want anymore we have later have seen them handle it in a actually a real fun way and you know we'll talk about the movie eventually i don't think we actually talked about it on the show um but in terms of yeah venom i just think that uh 
I just didn't think Sam Raimi very much was interested in that character, and it was very much shoot shoot into this. He's very much into the old uh, 70s, 80s comics, right? Bringing back Sandman, Dr. Rock, mm-hmm. and Green Goblin. But Venom, Venom was like... A, is that relatively new to the point when the movie came out? But Venom was sort of like one of those like '90s creations of just sort of this like ultimate like evil like thing. And um, I just don't think that vibed with him, even though I think the studio pushed him to do it, and that's why he's in the movie in the first place. And overall, I just think that it's just a complete detriment to the the overarchs that we've already had for the last two movies. And I haven't seen the later Venom. appearances in film we'll get there right and so my my real touchstone for venom is i think it's like venom verse war stories Mm -hmm. it's a collection comic and there was one story written by Nanadia Korafor, which is one of my favorite authors. She's also done a couple Marvel comics. She did the Shuri 2018 run. Mm. She did the um, uh, Long Live the King oh, okay. and uh, one other Wanda story. Can't remember off the top of my head, but they're all very good. I adore her, right? Mm-hmm. And her her story in the like uh, symbiote collection was really interesting and really compelling use of this, you know, entity as a character. And so that was kind of my touchstone for this. And to see it here, just kind of be shoehorned into this movie. was a, a real disappointment for me. Yeah. Uh, ultimately it's, uh, it's just used as sort of like a provocator of your energy, right. in terms of like Peter, mm-hmm. it just keeps pushing out the, the worst parts of him, which is it's, it's just so, I don't know. It's so goofy <laughs> is the best way to describe it. And of course the way they try to like underline some of the things that he's doing is, uh, I guess they, they discover something in the seventies or something like that. And that, that's why he started just acting like this too cool for school kind of like, person i don't know it's it's weird uh they they just they go they go places um is there things about this movie that you actually find really enjoyable and what are those things um for me i'll go first specifically for me i do think that the the dynamic of the three is still my favorite even if it's silly um just because especially the ending moments um with of course the death of uh James Franco's character, Harry Osborn, I kind of, I'm touched by it only because I had three movies to experience with each other. And then this was a, a seeing someone, someone go. And finally, you know, that him being a good guy again was uh, really cool. And um, that, that, I think that is my favorite part of this movie. I loved his arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry was, was definitely a highlight of this film. I thought there was so many other like interesting places that could have been a commentary, mm-hmm. but weren't. Uh, one I really enjoyed seeing the potential for where it could have gone was the scene with Peter and MJ when uh, MJ's talking about the first review yeah. and reading it. Uh, and when we look at Peter, especially in this series, he's pretty heavily autistic coded which is you know a choice i don't know if i have thoughts about that on that choice 
But when you look at that scene, it could have been a really interesting commentary on the differences between how neurotypical people express empathy and how neurodivergent people express empathy. Mm-hmm. Because that scene, it, it's tried to be played off as, oh, like Peter's just thinking about himself, he's being selfish or whatever. But it's actually an example of ha- a pretty solid example of how neurodivergent communities tend to express empathy by uh, pulling from a piece of your past where you had a similar experience and relating it to somebody's current experience being like, oh, like I had something similar to me happen. I understand where you're coming from, why you're feeling like this, and then trying to offer support. And obviously that doesn't go over well with her because that's not how she expresses or experiences empathy and that could have been a really interesting commentary obviously it didn't i don't think that would land for many people but it it could have been something cool they could have done with that moment and there's so many of those pieces in the film or there's so many pieces where you look at it and go this could have been a really cool commentary and they just didn't do anything with it yeah, definitely. I think overall, movies that this ilk is not following these type of things or even exploring these sort of concepts, you're not finally getting to that until, I would say, more and the more MCU-based things, right? Um, we had just Moon Knight that we talked about very specifically, uh, you know, multiple... Um, I, it's, um, I don't want to get... Is it ID? It's... Uh, he, uh, Moon Knight is usually diagnosed with DID. DID, that's what I meant, sorry. Disorder. Yeah, mm-hmm. so in terms of that, where we were, we're, we're exploring these things, but they're part of the commentary as well as part of the thing, uh, as opposed to just sort of like, these are the characters. So I, I do find that very nice. Uh, but overall, yeah, I do I do see that for sure. Um, yeah. Do you, compared to obviously the MCU counterparts to this, um, you said that you haven't seen the Venom thing, but mostly you've definitely seen some of these characters uh show up in the mcu um in terms of the journey of toby Maguire's spider-man compared to mcu um where do you feel that this falls in line with of like the way that they're telling their stories i mean overall they're very different but they're also very similar um do you see a pattern or something about that I think it's really interesting when we look at No Way Home. Yes. There's a lot of commentary around how how much screen time we see of each of the Spider-Men mm-hmm. in the suit. And Toby, we only see him in the suit once in that movie, right? <laughs> yeah. And looking at the trilogy we have here and him in this movie he's not wearing the suit very often and i i don't know if that is an actor choice or a character choice but that was really interesting to me watching this movie i'm like wow we see a lot of peter and we don't see a lot of spider-man here Mm -hmm. and that really carries over to his mcu appearance which i thought was really interesting yes i do find that we are we're still in the era where i feel like studios are like hey the money's on the, the screen in terms of the person that is on screen as opposed to putting their face behind a mask it's like you know 
think of like if Tom Cruise, for instance, was Iron Man, it'd be very interesting to see how much they would have him uh, have his face out mostly. But again, they get away with that Iron Man because they have that Iron Man camera face thing where you could still see him. So they they found ways to still get around. And there's still problems. There's still times in in the the last Spider-Man where they always are taking their mask off and they're always having conversations. So they still do that. I do say, though, that they're definitely more better about it in terms of being in the costume. But you're 100% right. This movie has um, major scenes where it's just Peter in normal clothes as opposed to the outfit. You get the scenes, right? You get the classic uh, dark Spider-Man scene fighting Flint Marco. And you get, of course, the final ending scene. Or him um, <laughs> getting a key to the city, which I actually really thought was really funny. Um, but obviously mostly like we get an extended scene of him doing jazz. So it's like, they definitely had their focus somewhere else. <laughs> the jazz club. Let's talk about I don't want to talk about You don't want to talk about that. I kind of want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it. I just, it was a choice. Yes. I, the, the whole time I just felt bad for both Gwen <laughs> and MJ. Yeah. Because he's, just being really shitty to both of them. Yes. And I would have loved to see more of those two interact in a way that wasn't we have a common partner who's just using both of us. Yes. And, you know. But the jazz club was a choice. Oh, I, 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 yeah, again, I, I don't know what the plan was. And I love Sam Raimi. I love him to death. I love Evil Dead. I love uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. There are some issues in that movie as well. Uh, I don't know. He went, he put his full Duffy in here and I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> this is, this is to me is weird. Why did he make Toby dance so much? Is my real question. That's there was a real so question. much dancing from him in this movie. I don't know. And it wasn't enjoyable no no not at all um those are still the aspects of the movie that i think a lot of people still make fun of that i think are very apparent and uh live in infamy for sure um before we go off and move on to probably our next class i do want to talk about some other returning characters uh let's talk about the daily bugle yeah. because i love the daily bugle <laughs> so let's so talk, about, talk about jk simmons in this. So <laughs> not enough I... not enough personally truly you can never have too much J. Jonah Jameson. No. Like, it's... The limit does not exist. I love the blood pressure running bit. Yes. I just... Everything... Every time he's on my screen, he brings me joy. Like, those were definitely... All the scenes of the Daily Bugle were highlights of this movie. Yes. Thank you, Sam Raimi, for summing, somehow getting him to the final fight as well in terms of buying the camera right. from the little girl. Uh, where's Parker? Um, yeah, no, I'm so happy. And so, real quick then, for me, it, I lost my goddamn mind when it was far from home when I saw that J. Jonah Jameson was back. I mean... I Mm-hmm. You, because I, I had that connection though. It does suck that I wish that you were able to experience that in some way. I mean, you saw J.K. Simmons as that character. I mean, I I loved, I I still loved seeing him yeah. appear. Like I loved Jordan Jameson. I enjoyed J.K. Simmons as that actor. It was still an exciting moment for me. Yeah. Even though I hadn't seen every single appearance of him before. No, for sure. And it being semi a more Alexi Jonesy version <laughs> of this character, it was also a fun thing to do. But 
Yeah. Just want to talk about J.K. Simmons and that wonderful, wonderful mustache. You will be missed in this. We can add it. Add this movie to the Sebastian Stan universe. Oh Lord, that's right. Oh, the the, the Stan verse <laughs> continues. Well, let's let's move on to the from the Stanley seminar and on to drama class, where we, of course we reenact some of our favorite scenes. You prepared majority of these scenes, and so I am I uh, I'm very excited to go through this. So I'm gonna let you pick the roles. Who, who what would you like to do? Uh, for the first one, I want to be Peter. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Stings, doesn't it? I protected you in high school, and now I'm going to kick your little ass. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) His little shoulder shake when he does the... Ooh. Ooh. I I lost it. I lost it. It's so... I love it, too. It's goofy and fun, and I just love whenever they have like antagonistic uh stuff in this movie it's so much fun um okay for the next oh real quick before we do that can we just talk about the world's worst butler i hated him are you talking about osborne's butler yeah that guy sucks i loved him oh my god he He could have my favorite car he could have circumvented so much of this movie if he just said something earlier when I, when I was cleaning her father's glider, <laughs> I noticed that the blood was... Oh, I hated it. Hated it. Next scene. <laughs> Who do I you want to be? <laughs> anyway. Uh, this next one, I'll let you be, Peter. Okay. You're trash, Brock. Excuse me? Your picture's a fake. Oh, Parker, you're such a boy scout. When are you going to give a guy a break? You want forgiveness? Get religion. <laughs> What a beautiful foreshadowing moment with such a silly comment. Such a silly comment. And if you also want to know how evil Eddie Brock is, the, what is the thing he asks God? He asks God to kill Peter Parker. It's so I wild. I loved that moment. It Ugh. was such an interesting character moment. Oh, uh, gosh. No. I love a church scene as well established. <laughs> Uh, so funny. Um, there's a lot of church scenes in the movie Men 2022. Go check that out. Um, which I can't wait to tell you this. I'm going to tell you the spoilers after this podcast. I told everybody and they were like, what? Um, anyways, I, I put this one in here because it's, it's my favorite line Thank of the it. movie. Uh, it is, of course, Venom. I'm going to try to do a toe from a great suppression. My spider sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just love he had like nails and it's just doing it's just uh the look of Venom in here is so wild because the costume is clearly just the dark suit, but like even more uh-huh. gross looking and the weird tentacles that are on his face and the teeth are I was yeah. weirded out by how Eddie Brock's teeth changed yes. after the symbiote that yeah. That was a choice. They didn't need to do that at all. It's not a thing that I've seen before for Eddie Brock. It's not something to do now. And now they're just like, you're going to give you vampire teeth. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh, would you like to go with this next one? Oh, you're Harry. Because I want to be the butler. Because this is I think the butler's my favorite name character is, this entire... I think the butler's name is Norman. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I don't remember. All right. <clears throat> Osborne, yeah, Nor- Norman, yeah, no, 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 it can't be, it doesn't matter. Okay. <clears throat> We're having a guest. Can you get some food? A guest? 
Yeah, a guest. A guest guest? Will you just get some food? Right away, sir. <laughs> Jesus. I don't I don't know this. So happy. I don't know this man was this is a horny uh, butler. Jesus Christ, I did not know. A guest guest? <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go ahead. I'll let you close it out with uh, this quote here from uh, Stanley. The wonderful Stanley, of yes. course, gets chef's kiss line. I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. <laughs> uh, I did learn actually now doing the trivia for this that apparently enough said is like a big thing he used to put in the comics all the time. So it's really cool that they actually were able to put that in the in the movie. So I think that is cool. Well, that closes out drama class. Moving on to music room, which of course superhero movies of this era are remembered for their original soundtracks. Does this uh, does the mu- does the music in this movie hold up or have any songs that are still bangers today? I don't have anything here because I don't remember I, a song in this movie, to be honest with you. I have one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Other than the jazz. The, that's it. Well, there was the jazz. And then when MJ and Harry were hanging out. Oh, my God. The twist plays. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> they got the twist. I forgot about and that. So, like, <laughs> standout songs include a jazz standard and a 50 songs like yeah you know real bangers real real bangers thanks again thank you so much sam Raimi, for being just you and putting this in the movie <laughs> um yeah i totally forgot about that let's talk let's talk about that just for a second uh the whole them making breakfast together scene <laughs> just like making an absolute mess um and then and I make, and a kiss. Oh. Harry Osborne is obviously a rich kid and never had to make food in his life. And yes. is now attempting to, to impress a girl. Was so very on brand. Yes. And what were they making? Eggs or something? They were just, it was like sandwiches. It was omelets. It was omelets. That's what I thought. Yeah. They can't, can't even do that. Can't even do that. Um, I, for me though, honestly, this movie is a, a somewhat of a disappointment, uh, in terms of a song, because this is sort of the whole reason for this category is the fact that Spider-Man, Spider-Man two have to me iconic theme songs. And this one does not. Mm-hmm. Now I looked at the original soundtrack just to see who was on it. And yeah, they had music of the time, um, just different tracks, but nothing that stood out even in the movie or as promotional for the movie personally, which, uh, I think it's a, a sad thing that they close this thing out. Like I said, uh, Hero st- might as well be the theme song of this goddamn podcast as far as I'm concerned. Um, right? <laughs> but of course, let's now transition to my favorite part of the show, Quiz Time, who, of course, we're going to go ahead and quiz little Sly here. First question, though, even though I have it as number two here, uh, is Stanley in this movie? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And Very prominently in this movie. Yeah, where, where is he in this movie? He's the old dude of the street when <laughs> Peter's looking up at all the like uh, news uh, poster, whatever yeah. thing. I'm just happy that Stanley finally gets to have a, a speaking role in one of these movies, and B talk to probably one of his greatest creations of all time. Um, which is a right. Well, he he had a couple lines in Hulk. He does, but not he like does. an iconic quote. 
No, no. He's he's talking to Lou Ferrigno, who, of course, was the Hulk on the TV show, which was cool. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this. There's a great episode where the Hulk is on trial in the, <laughs> the TV show. And in the stands is Stan Lee. <laughs> so love that. That is uh, it's cool to have them on screen together for that specifically. Watch our Hulk episode. That movie rules. It's still one of my favorites. Um, of course, yeah, Stanley is in the film. Um, next question. Sam Raimi wasn't happy with the way that this movie came together. It had a lot of studio influence, sadly. Uh, but vowed to do better with the fourth one. That sadly did not happen. Who was supposed to be the villains of Spider-Man 4? Now, villains are villain because there was supposed to be something. Uh, was it A, Rhino, B, Craven the Hunter, C, Morbius, or D, the Vulture? Who do you think was going to supposedly be the fourth version, the first uh, character that Toby Maguire was to fight? I have no idea. Um, thinking like Rhino is like such a classic mm -hmm. Spider-Man villain, right? Yes, one hundred percent. And then we have I'm looking at Craven and the Hunter and Morbius. And those are two. Well, Morbius came out, but then there's a Craven the Hunter project in the that works, is shooting right mark. now. That is shooting right now, actually. Yeah, starring yeah. Kickass. Hmm. Hmm. I think I have to say right now, just because he's such a classic Spider-Man villain. He is, in fact, a classic character, but he uh, was actually not going to be in the next one. It was actually going to be the Vulture, which, of course. Hey, they oh. eventually follow up on that in the, of course, the Tom Holland movies with uh, Michael Keaton playing the Vulture. I think it was originally supposed to be John Malkovich <laughs> as the Vulture, <laughs> as like a cranky old dude. There, there was another rumor that Black Cat was going to be in the movie as well. And I think at the time, uh, the actress that most tied to it was supposed to be Anne Hathaway. Huh. Yeah. There Spider-Man does not need another underdeveloped woman for a first movie. Exactly. Uh, but exactly. I can see why they were going for that. No, for sure. And I think the other rumor was either she was going to be Catwoman or Vulture was going to have a daughter. That was also a Vulture person. But I, mm. all right. Yeah. And of course, it would continue the relationship with Kirsten Dunst and Dobie McGuire. And, uh, real quick, before I go into my, my last question, actually, what did you think of sort of the semi- downer note of this movie i mean are they together are they not together at this movie what is your sort of interpretation of that last scene we kind of get an answer in no way home but just by the end of this movie like would you thought about the fact that it's not I, to me it's not so clear cut that they're together what, what were your thoughts on that yeah no i i would not buy that they were together at the end of this i could see years down the line mm -hmm. if we came back to it maybe but at the end of this they feel pretty pretty solidly separated yeah which is f weird to say for like a, a fine a final chapter right for these characters supposedly mm -hmm. that's why i think the certain elements in no way home stand out so much because these are answers we're seeking and for to get even little crumbs i think is really great i know that people are still asking for more and i'm like we got what we got please <laughs> like we don't need to keep opening these boxes all the time i think sometimes some boxes should be closed and i think that movie was a good way to close both Andrew Garfield, and also the story, but I digress. The last question I have for you, of course, is out of the three Spider-Man films under Sam Raimi, which one was the most successful at the box office? 
My gut instinct is to say two, because, you know, one was the first, right? Mm -hmm. And then sequels always tend to do really well. And one was so successful that I'm sure two blew it out of the water. And it could have been this one, but I don't... I don't think it was. I I I, I feel like it was definitely two, <laughs> but I could be wrong. It Let's is. see here. All right, Spider Man one. It made eight hundred and twenty-five million. Okay, eight hundred and twenty-five. I'm gonna go ahead and duplicate this and change the one to a two. Let's see here. Uh, number two actually made seven. Uh, 189 so it actually went down oddly enough wow which is shocking um but can you guess three three is actually 894 it just barely beats it beats it out by i think 50 000 uh, 50 million so yeah spider-man 3 is the most popular of the three movies it didn't crack a billion but at the same time yeah that's uh that's pretty crazy because uh, when I look at No Way Home's numbers, No Way Home did 1.8 billion, which means that it was like, hey, there's Spider-Man 3, but then there's like a whole set of like different others over there. So pretty wide margin for sure. I can't believe that two did so much less than one. Yeah, That's but more beloved, amazing. which is, is shocking. It is, that is yeah. shocking to me compared to these numbers. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man 3 was actually the most popular one. And I think they were going to be dead set of making a fourth one with Sam Raimi. But Sam Raimi stepped away because he, he was working on something else, I think, at the time as well. And then they decided, hey. I wonder hey, what else came out oh, at see. the same time as two. Let's take a look. Spider-Man 2... 2004, right? Yeah, just my notes. Movie, top grossing movies, top movies, box office. Here we go. Number one, Shrek 2. Number two, Spider Man 3. Uh, Spider Man 2. Number three, Passion of the Christ, <laughs> which made, which made <laughs> bank. And number four here is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. There you go. Shrek 2, number one movie of 2004. And that, I think, concludes our quiz time, which I believe you got, I think, uh, one out of the three. Hey, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. All right. Doesn't matter. I make up the rules of the points don't matter. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's Spider-Man three. I mean, final thoughts. We're going to home to home room here. What are your final thoughts on Spider-Man three? Do you recommend it to people? And, uh, is this worth watching? I don't think so. I, really? I think you, if you want to watch it, you'll get a lot out of it, mm-hmm. but I don't think I recommend it. I... There's just so much, and it's so long, and it's just not, you know, enjoyable. Like, it's it's a fine movie, but it wasn't a fun movie. Sure. Like, there are much worse movies that we've watched for the show that I have recommended with my whole chest, right? Like, I love a bad movie. 
because bad movies could be really enjoyable. Yes. This was a fine movie that wasn't enjoyable. As much as it hurts me to say, I, I don't think I would recommend this movie. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be on the other side of the spectrum. I'm going to say I recommend to see it only because I want to say it's not as bad as everyone says it is. However, it That's is, fair. but it is boring. There are massive scenes that are just <laughs> boring stuff in here and are and are dumb. Um, but at the same time, I think that if you are watching one and you are definitely watching two, you might as well finish the three. You know, you might as well see the full journey there. Not, not only just to have that extra... Um, little bump of energy when you watch uh no way home specifically i think that everything leading up to that is just wonderful in my opinion even if a lot of it is trash <laughs> so definitely for sure i wouldn't i know a lot of people say this is a bad movie i don't i don't think that at all yeah. it's a boring movie but it's a fine movie yeah like, fine this baseline it's yeah so like i uh wouldn't go around this movie being like ah oh, this is the worst blah 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 yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say that but it's much better than punisher i'll say again that. much better than punisher <laughs> uh at the very least i think that spider-man one and two are good great movies this one is just fine just mm -hmm. baseline fine so exactly all right well Again, we're going to go ahead and start closing up shop here. We're going to get to do some homework. I, of course, didn't write the homework here, but I believe it's uh, we're doing Final Fantasy. Uh, not Final Fantasy. We're doing uh, <laughs> 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 we're doing the sequel to, if I'm not mistaken, Rise of the Silver Surfer, of course, Fantastic Four, which I'm excited. I have not seen this movie in years, and we may or may not have a guest. I will not confirm. We'll have to find out if this person who said they want to watch this movie will actually watch this movie. I'll hold it to him. But until then, of course, we'll be watching Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, which, yeah, I love. The, I, you saw how I thought about the last one. I'm very excited to see how they continue on with this one. I had fun with the first one. i very interested to see where they go. Uh, very interested to see if we get any more moments that make me ship Victor and Reed. Who knows? Um, I doubt it, but who knows? We'll see. I don't know. Will we see Doctor Doom again? We'll find out. Let's find out. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, but of course, uh, that will be your homework for next week. Sly, where can people find you on the net? You can find me yelling about 911 and 911 Lone Star on TikTok Live on Thursday nights. You can find me yelling about video games on the Point Progress podcast. And you can find me yelling about all the uh, MCU canon Marvel projects, especially the TV shows coming out on We'll Throw the After Party. We're gearing up for Miss Marvel in a couple weeks. Yeah, we are. That's awesome. That's cool. Very excited to hear you all talk about that. Fantastic. Well, of course, you find me here over at Point in Progress. You can also find me at the Model Citizen Show. I have another episode coming up very shortly. And then, of course, you're going to always find me here at the MC University. I have too much fun doing this and revisiting older movies with, of course, my wonderful co-host, Sly. So, yes, this has been fantastic. And uh, until next time, class is dismissed. We have some new information. This is your uncle's actual killer. We lost his trail two days ago. <laughs> This man killed my uncle, and he's still out there! Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Revenge is like a poison. It can take us over. 
before you know it, can turn you into something ugly. <gasps> the suit. Where'd this come from? The power. It feels good. You lose yourself to it. Whoa! Spidey, love the new outfit! Remember Ben Parker? What does it matter to you anyway? Everything! Do you want to push me away? Why would I want to push you away? I love you. You knew this was coming, Pete. I didn't kill your father! We have to forgive each other, or everything we ever were will mean nothing. I need your help. I have to stop it. This could be the end of Spider-Man.